worship at Preston Hollow Presbyterian Church. It's a delight to welcome you to this hour of worship, whether you are here in the sanctuary or joining us via WRR or on the internet. We are glad that you have chosen to make Preston Hollow a part of your Sunday worship, and we welcome you, especially if you happen to be visiting among us today. I want to encourage you to please find the friendship pads that you will find on the outer aisle of your pew and register your presence with us today. This helps us know who is here, but also gives you an opportunity to note the names of those worshiping around you. Community is important to us here, and we hope that you will make connections with folks following worship this morning. Please greet one another uh, so that you can make connections with folks. If you are visiting with us, we have a special gift for you that you will find in the atrium at the counter through these doors and to the right. There are volunteers with yellow name tags there who are prepared to answer any questions that you might have about our church and ministry and ways that you can become involved. In front of you in the pew racks, you will find a uh, prayer card and a connect card. These are a great way for you to communicate with the church. If you have a question or have a desire to become more connected with the congregation, you can make your uh, interest known on the connect card on the prayer side. If you have a concern or a celebration in your life that you would like to bring to the attention of the pastors or the uh, deacons, uh, we consider it a privilege to pray with you and for you in the coming week, and this is one way to let us know of those prayers. The card goes in the offering plate later in the service. Our announcement this morning that we'd like to call to your attention is that our good friend and colleague Trey Angel has completed his time with us and will be moving on to a new opportunity at the Lamplighter School. You've undoubtedly read about this if you are on our mailing list. Um, it is a bittersweet day for his colleagues and for many in the congregation who have known Trey and have appreciated his, his gifts. He will be recognized later in this service, and then we will also have a reception for him in the atrium. So please do make plans uh, to uh, attend that reception and to pat him on the back and say good job, for we all agree that he has given much to this community and he will be sorely missed. Friends, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it as we worship holy God together.
Let us join our voices in the responsive call to worship. How joyful it is to celebrate the good news of God's love. We are called to be Easter people. Darkness cannot claim us. Fear cannot bind us. For Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Amen.
confession, where we realize our desire for God and our hope for God's mercy. It's in admitting the truth of our lives that we take the first step toward wholeness and healing. So let us pray together. Living God, we find it easy to praise you, joyfully worshiping every Sunday. It is more difficult to follow you and to act faithfully in your world. We struggle to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly. Forgive us for withholding compassion, for judging quickly, and for speaking poorly of others. Soften our hearts and remind us that your grace covers all people in all circumstances. Encourage us as we strive to follow each and every day. Amen. Friends, God's life-giving word and spirit enable us to live in a new obedience, opening new possibilities of life for society and for the world. Hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. So good to uh, see everyone this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're so grateful that you are here. Uh, last Sunday was Easter. You may have heard that. And um, so we read uh, the gospel account from the gospel of John about how uh, Mary went to the tomb early in the morning. And uh, she found the stone had been rolled away and the body of Jesus was not there. And so then Mary went and got some of the male disciples and they came running to the tomb. And uh, the male disciples left, but Mary stayed, and Jesus revealed himself to her as the gardener. Uh, that was John, uh, the 20th chapter, the first 18 verses. And we're going to pick up at verse 19. This is what has happened. Uh, the disciples are terrified, and they're uh, scared because the state has executed Jesus by crucifixion. 
And so they're wondering if they're next. And so they flee the scene and go back to the upper room. That's the room where uh, they shared the Last Supper. They rented that room for the Passover feast. And the disciples, I imagine them terrified to even breathe too loudly for people to discover them. I imagine them so scared that they didn't even go out during the day to get their own food. People were bringing food to them because they were wondering if they're next. And I think a soul-stirring question emerges uh, for us in the wake of resurrection. These disciples, adrenaline has been running through their bodies. It's been days now. And they're beginning to wonder if everything that they, uh, they had seen and heard and experienced, was it true? And so they're holed up in this upper room, wondering what's going to happen. And we're going to turn to verse 19. Uh, in the 20th chapter of John, to read what happened next. Listen, my dear friends. Listen for the word of the Lord to all of us this day, because there is power in this story. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After Jesus said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, Thomas was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Hey, Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord, my God, Jesus said to him, Thomas, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. Friends, this is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Remind us, O oh God, that you hover here. You hover in this very sanctuary, just as you hovered over the waters of creation. Just as you hovered in that upper room those years ago. Remind us that you hover here, just like you hovered there. And breathe new life into these ancient words that 
these words will be your word. And breathe new life into the words of my mouth and into the meditations of all of our hearts that all will be acceptable and pleasing to you, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. So uh, Zach was my best friend when I was in kindergarten. We were partners in crime every day on the playground and partners in crime most weekends on campouts. Uh, though Zach, you need to know, was a bit of a daredevil. He was the kindergarten kid that would climb up really to the very top of the tree, get a couple branches and leap out, right? To the dismay of all of us and especially to his parents and our teachers. One morning, Saturday morning, it was no surprise then, when Zach dressed up like his favorite superhero, Superman, donned the red cape, climbed up on the kitchen table in his parents' house, and jumped right off believing that he, like Superman, could fly because he had the cape on. Monday came around at kindergarten, and Zach showed up with a fancy new red cast on his arm for his efforts. None of us had ever seen a cast before. None of us as kindergartners even knew that you could break an arm. But there Zach was with his bright new red cast. We were in kindergarten and uh, could barely write our names. I mean, I did grow up in South Carolina. We learned how to do that, like in sixth grade. <laughs> but needless to say, uh, there Zach was, and we lined up right in front of him because we wanted to sign our names on his cast in blue and black Sharpie. As a kindergartner, Zach wore that bright red cast like a badge of honor every day at lunch. We had to hear Zach tell the story of how he put on the cape, got on the table, jumped off and broke his arm. He was so proud of the wound that he had to bear with the world. But as we grow older, the less we want to show off our red cast with the world, is that not true? The less we want to show our hurts, the less we want to show our wounds to the world. And for good reason. I mean, it can be embarrassing, can it not? You're wearing a boot, walking around, and someone says, how did you hurt your foot? You don't want to tell them that you weren't paying attention and you stubbed your toe on the dining room table in your house. Someone comes up to you, they say, why are you wearing the neck brace? Everything okay? You don't want to admit that you were the person who was actually texting and driving. You got depressed in a Walnut Hill. You weren't paying attention and you nailed the car in front of you. Happened three times last week. I saw it out of my office window. No judgment, I'm just saying. We don't want to share. We don't want to share those kind of wounds with the world. Though many of the wounds that we carry, uh, we carry far below the surface, do we not? Uh, those kind of wounds, they, they don't require a red cast. <laughs> they don't require a red cast because they reside far below the exterior that we present to the world. Hurts that uh, no one would guess about us. The hurt of abuse. The hurt of, uh, of addiction or of trauma, of abandonment, or uh, the, the hurt, the, the wound of a broken relationship, the pain of losing a child, the hurt of infidelity. 
Those are the wounds that we would never want anyone to know about. We don't want anyone knowing that we carry those. Those are the wounds that we would never dare to admit or to share with the world publicly. These are the wounds uh, that we cover up at all costs, right? And I'm not talking about with our clothes, though we all look beautiful this morning. No, we cover these kind of wounds up with all the right accessories. <laughs> you know, the, the, the image of a perfect family right there on the Christmas card. Or the, uh, the nice car. Or the club membership. Or, or with alcohol. Or drugs. Ah, I just need something to take the edge off. You know, help me sleep a little bit. Or the accessories of many acquaintances, not friendships, <laughs> but acquaintances. You know, we have a thousand people that are, surround us all the time, but we don't want to risk being vulnerable with any of them. They might find out. So we keep them at arm's length and ensure that every relationship only gets to be an inch thick. Oh, we have to cover up our wounds, do we not, my friends? We gotta cover up our wounds and we gotta move on. <laughs> because if we sit with our wounds too long, even for a moment, the pain returns. Shame comes flooding back in an instant. The trauma that has been buried below the surface still lingers. Though I think in our passage today, uh, we learn that there's a, a different way to live with our wounds. Uh, there's a different way of living with, with our wounds beyond just running away from them and the pain that they continue to carry. Uh, Jesus, uh, I'll remind you, has been beaten. He's been executed by the state. He's been crucified. And his disciples frankly can't believe, some of them can't believe anyway, that he's been raised from the dead. So Jesus comes to them uh, in the evening in the same room that he shared the very last supper, the very first thing he does is not speak. Jesus chooses not to turn to words, but to turn to actions. And Jesus shows up in that room and shows them his hands and his side. He shows them what we can't fully grasp in words. doesn't show up and ask him a thousand questions about why they don't believe and what has taken them so long and why are they up in this upper room still so scared. He doesn't do any of that. That's what we would do. Jesus shows up and shows them his wounds. And then he does something incredible. He invites them to touch his wounds. And I think Jesus, through this most powerful act, is saying, friends, it is through my wounds that new life can come. It's through my pain a greater story can emerge. Uh, you see, it's through my pain and my wounds that I connect with your pain and your wounds. And new life can also emerge for you. I follow this guy, uh, Richard Rohr. I read a lot of his books, get his daily email. He puts it this way. If we do not learn to transform our pain, we will surely transmit our pain. 
Friends, if we do not learn to transform our pain, we will surely transmit our pain. You may be thinking, uh, preacher, that's a really good line. I'm sure it works. What does that look like? Last spring, I got invited uh, to hear a hero of mine speak, Father Gregory Boyle. He's a Jesuit. Um, uh, uh, I got invited to hear him speak at a law office downtown Dallas. The most incredible thing happened. The Holy Spirit, she swept into that law office and transformed a law office into holy and sacred ground. (laughs) Think about it. (laughs) Father Boyle, halfway through his talk, uh, tells this story that I've heard him tell probably ten times. I knew what he was going to say, but I was absolutely overwhelmed by every word started weeping because uh, this story he told, I think, best illustrates for us what it means and looks like to transform your pain rather than transmit your pain. Father Boyle said, uh, I I recently gave a talk, a training, an all-day seminar deal to 600 social workers. It was a training on gangs and gang violence. He said, I had two former gang members uh, with me. And one of them was this guy named Jose. Jose got up. Jose's in his late 20s, and he now works in uh, the substance abuse part of our team. Jose is a man in recovery. He's been a, a, a heroin addict, a gang member. I mean, he's, Jose's tattooed. To, uh, Jose gets up. He doesn't have any notes. He stands right at the lectern, and he says sort of offhandedly, offhandedly you know, I guess you could say that my mom and me, we didn't get along so good. I guess I was six when she looked at me and said, I wish you would just die. You're such a burden to me. The whole audience did what some of you just did. They gasped. And then Jose looked at them and said, it sounds way worser in Spanish. And they did what you did. They laughed. Then he said, you know, I guess I was nine when uh, my mom drove me down to the deepest part of Baja, California. She took me by the hand, walked me right up to the front door of the orphanage and said, hey, I found this kid on the street. I was there uh, three months, 90 days, until my grandmother could get out of my mom where she had dropped me, where she had dumped me. My grandmother came and rescued me. Jose then says, you know, my mom, when I got back home, she used to beat me every day with things that you could imagine and with some items that you could have never imagined. My back was uh, bloodied and bruised and scarred. In fact, Jose said, I had to wear uh, three t-shirts every day to school. The first t-shirt, because it would soak up the blood, but the second t-shirt, so that the blood wouldn't spill over. And then the third t-shirt, it it sort of hid the whole thing. I had three t-shirts on, and so no one could see my pain, my wounds, or my blood. Kids at school would make fun of me. They would look at me and they would say, Jose, you know it's 100 degrees outside. Why you got three shirts on? And Jose sort of loses his battle with trying to hold back the tears, you know, that feeling when you're trying to choke them back? Jose says, I wore three t-shirts well into my adult years because I was ashamed of my wounds. I didn't want anybody to see my wounds. 
but now my wounds are my friends. I welcome my wounds. I run my hands over my wounds every morning. Then he looked at this crowd and Jose said, how can I help the wounded if I don't welcome my own wounds? How can I help the wounded if I do not welcome my own wounds? Awe came upon everyone in that ballroom because we're so inclined to judge this kid who went to prison this kid who's uh, tattooed, who's a gang member, who experienced homelessness. This kid who's a heroin addict. The list goes on. The truth is, Jose was never seeking anything when he ended up in those places. He was always fleeing the story that I just shared with you. The resurrection story is this. What what part of your story are you fleeing? What wounds are you carrying with you this morning that are waiting for you to run your hands over them? I ask you that question because Jesus showed up to them in an upper room. In the very room where they shared the last meal and he shows them his wounds. He claimed them so that we wounded people would know that new life can come from the parts of our lives that have been most hurt and feel most broken. Jesus shows up, and I think in revealing his wounds, asks the very question that Jose asked. How can I help the wounded if I don't welcome my own wounds? Friends, that's a hard question, but let, but let me be clear. That's the question that a person who's been resurrected asks. If we settle for resuscitation in our life, we will spend all of our days merely trying to cover up our own wounds. We'll spend a lot of time and money doing it. But if we risk the vulnerability, and we seek to be resurrected, then we too will ask this question. How can I help the wounded if I don't welcome my own wounds? What wounds are you carrying with you? What wounds do you need to welcome? Let us pray. We carry so much of God. We carry far more than we would ever want you to know. And yet you do. We carry far more than we ever would want the world to see. Help us to know, God, that you know it all. And you love us still. And you claim us. And that you went to the cross so that we might know that love most fully. 
So help us to take the risk of faith and to welcome the wounds of our lives. So that we can help one another and glorify you. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise together and affirm what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed printed in your order of service. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, as we turn our attention to prayer this morning, I call to your mind the care letters that we make available for your signature. You'll find them outside the north transept doors and to the left. These letters are uh, provided for folks, uh, families, and individuals who are experiencing both difficult and wonderful transitions in their lives. So know that your signature is intended to be a form of prayer from the congregation, a demonstration of our support and our remembrance of these folks. Particularly today, we want to remember those uh, families of uh, folks who have uh, died recently. Uh, during Holy Week, our member Ken Perry passed away. We want to continue our prayers for the Perry family, Mary Dean in particular, and her family. We also received word this morning the passing of a longtime member, Nell Denman, passed away. And so we want to remember her family in this time of loss. Friends, let us unite our hearts in prayer together. Good and gracious God, at times we feel that we are living our lives within the locked doors of ourselves, just as the disciples were behind locked doors. We too are afraid, perhaps for different reasons than theirs, but we too need the breath of the Holy Spirit to take away our fears so that we can come out from behind these locked doors. In the face of the world's tragedies, another mass shooting, terror attacks, natural disasters, O Lord, we are like Thomas with our questions and our doubts. Or as we face our own wounds, our brokenness, we sometimes need to see in order to believe. We need you in order to have faith. Give us a sense of your presence, Lord, for we know and we believe that there is never a time in this life that we live apart from your presence and your knowledge, your love, your grace, and your mercy. Remind us this day, we pray. We too need the peace that you bring, because indeed our world is fraught with violence and unrest. Our lives are marked by the scars of challenges that we have faced. 
yet you are aware and you are ever-present. Just as Thomas confessed you are his Lord and his God, so we boldly claim you for our lives, even now. We thank you for the blessing that you have given to us, the blessing of your presence and your knowledge. We thank you for the ways that you have provided for us, ways that we know and ways that we don't. For we desire to be the ones who believe without seeing. Oh God, may the doors of our hearts be open to all. And the doubters who cross our paths, Lord, may they see evidence of you in our lives. And may we, in turn, see evidence of you in the lives of others. We make this prayer and all our prayers in the name of the one who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. This month, our Every Dollar Counts offering, that is those single dollar bills that are placed in the offering plate, will go to support the Mill City Teaching Farm located in Fair Park. This farm will provide opportunities for our neighbors to grow food, to work together, and to cultivate a deeper sense of community. Let us now return to God a portion of what has been entrusted to us, our morning ties.
God of grace is our delight and our devotion to give these gifts to you. All we are and all we have are yours alone. Accept this joyful offering as a token of our abiding love. Use it to bring peace, justice, and comfort to all the world. Amen. And at this time, I'd like to invite the Allaire and Sell families forward to join me at the font. Family of God, through this sacrament of baptism, God claims us and seals us as God's own forever. Because we believe that Christ loves us first, it is God who first reaches out to us to claim us and to seal us as Christ's own. I invite you all to remember your own baptism and to remember God's holy claim on your life. On behalf of the session, I present John Buchanan, Allaire, and Parker Travis Sell to be baptized. Melissa and Kyle, Caitlin and Spencer, do you desire your child to be baptized? Do you? Leaning on the gracious mercy of God, do you trust that goodness is stronger than evil, that light is stronger than darkness, that love is stronger than hate, that life is stronger than death, and that Christ Jesus is stronger, strongest of all, do you? Empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you take the risk of faith every day, seeking to embody the expansive love of Jesus Christ in all you say and do, will you? Do you promise to tell your child the stories of the Christian faith, to pray for them, and to remember for yourself and your child that they belong first and always to the love of God, which we know through Jesus Christ our Lord, do you? Do you, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ, promise to guide and nurture John and Parker with love and prayer, with teaching and service, encouraging them to know and follow our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ? Let us pray together. This water is ordinary, O oh God came straight from the tap. But in this water you make extraordinary promises to John and to Parker. In this water you promise to claim them as your own. In this water you promise to wrap them in your love. In this water you seal each of them with a new identity, child of the covenant. It's always been this way with you and water, O oh God. You moved over the water at creation to bring forth life. Out of the waters of the flood, you gave righteousness a new start. <coughs> Through the waters of the Red Sea, you gave your people freedom. In the waters of the Jordan, Jesus was baptized and anointed with your spirit. So send your spirit again over this water, we pray. Surround John and Parker now with your grace, and as they receive a visible sign of it, renew us all with the gifts of new beginnings and deep 
so that with these young ones we may go from here in joy as your beloved family. We pray in Christ's name. By what name shall this child be baptized? John Buchanan, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know it's cold. You are sealed and claimed as God's own forever. Yeah, it's good news. <laughs> There's a smile. <laughs> All right, Parker, are you ready? Okay, just gonna get out. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, do you feel pretty? Yes, yes. All right, by what name shall this child be baptized? Parker? Parker Travis, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit, you are sealed and claimed as God's own forever. Amen. Friends, it's time to welcome the newest members of this family of faith. I invite you to stay seated as we sing together. We're very into the water right now. So please stay seated as we welcome these new members. Trey Angel forward to join me uh, as we recognize him and for his 19 years of faithful ministry here at Preston Hollow. Trey, will you join me right next to the lectern? I'm going to grab something. It's not Cub season tickets. I'm sorry. <laughs> so Trey uh, told me when I first arrived that uh, he took this job intending to stay three years, and that was 19 years ago. And for 19 years, Trey uh, has been situated upstairs, and he's been our church uh, financial officer. He's been uh, our director of finance and administration. And this is what uh, you need to know. There's actually no job that has happened in this building that Trey has not done. And he would never tell you that, because that's just not how Trey is. 
Trade uh, does uh, far more than making sure that we are fiscally responsible. Uh, he gets here uh, long before you could ever imagine to make sure that, that rooms do get set up. He climbs on ladders. He uses drill. Okay, he holds drills. <laughs> He's learned how to use them, which is incredible. Uh, he is also, uh, every time we have a power outage, if we need to coordinate the radio or the live stream, Trey Angel does it. And I tell you all of this because Trey has been a large part of our community for almost 20 years. And we are not going to be able to replace Trey. We are simply not going to be able to do and, and to replace all the things that he has done and all that he has meant for so many of us. On a personal note, Trey um, has done He's been an incredible uh, friend and colleague uh, to so many of us on staff. And so today, while we celebrate with he and Nicole and Chase uh, this new journey in their life together, uh, we also are sad. But we want to mark your time here, Trey, with uh, a cross that was um, uh, carved out of one of the, the trees in the pecan, uh, pecan grove as a way of saying thank you, a small token of our uh, appreciation for you and your ministry here. Friends, before I pray, will you uh, say thank you to Trey with me? Will you? series so um, but we are going to pray for him and then we're going to greet him out in the atrium we have a reception following worship and i hope that you will come and just express your thanks to trey let us pray god thank you so much for uh your call in our lives for the ways that you can breathe new life into the multitude of gifts that you have given us and create ministry for that's what you've done in the life of trey angel and we're thankful for the thousands of moments that have been inspired by you, O oh God, that we have felt as your ministry in the walls of this church and far beyond. We pray for Trey and Nicole and Chase as they begin this new journey. And we pray, O oh God, and trust that it is you who called him here, that has called him there. Remind us, O oh God, that in you we are never separate from one another. So be with us and guide us as we share this journey ahead. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Thank you, Trey. Friends, let us stand and uh, sing our closing hymn.
Following the benediction, I do uh, invite you to join us out in the atrium. Uh, Trey and Nicole will be out in the atrium to uh, celebrate his ministry among us. Friends, how can we help the wounded? How can we help the wounded if we have not welcomed our own wounds? As you go about the hard and difficult task of answering that question in your life this week, may God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to recognize that the world is now too dangerous for anything but truth and far too small for anything but love. So may God take our minds and think through them. And may God take our lips and speak through them. And may God take our hearts, each and every one of them, and set them on fire. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all and guide us in our many, many, many different ways this day and all of our days. Amen.